For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love First Corinthians chapter 11 will be today. First Corinthians chapter 11. And look with me now in verse number one. The Bible says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth here, but he's also writing to me and to you, to fellow Christians. Paul says, be ye followers of me as I also am of Christ. So you ask yourself, is there anything with following a man, anything with following anything wrong following a pastor or a preacher? Absolutely not. Paul says, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Now, if that person stops following Christ, that's when it will be wrong for you to keep on following them because Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. As I'm preaching the word, I'm teaching the word, I'm living the word out in front of you as a living example, ye can follow me. So listen, if you have a pastor, you are following a man and there's nothing wrong with that. Paul said, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. The only time it becomes wrong if that person stops following Christ. And then if you keep on following, obviously you know that that is wrong because they're going against what the Bible says. Look at me now in verse number two. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinance, ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonored his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one, as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man. So ladies, before you get too upset, I want you to know that the Bible says that we're all on equal ground before God. And I've thought of it like this, that nobody likes the word submission. Nobody wants to submit, but the Bible does say that a wife should submit to her husband. But yet the Bible says that we are equal 
before God. Listen to me. Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is equal with God, yet he submitted to his Father's will, yet he was still equal with God. It does not take a work weak person to submit. It takes a strong person to submit to somebody else's will. And listen to me, Jesus was not weak, but yet Jesus knew he was doing his father's will. I'm going to submit to what my father wants. Amen. And so, but I'm here to tell you that if you're a man and you have to stand up and say, well, I'm the boss, I'm in charge. What I say, go, uh, you're not in charge and they're not following you because you shouldn't have to say that. Um, they're going to follow you when you're doing going about it right, when your heart is right. And she willfully and wantfully submits to you because you are right before God and you're doing right is what before man. And she will see that and she will willfully in her heart submit to you. You see, if you, if you have to raise your hand or holler or something like that, that is not true submission. It is supposed to be willful submission. Your wife wants to submit to you because you are doing what is right. And she wants to follow that. And she wants to follow you. And she wants to support you and love you. Amen. That is what God wants from you to be the leader of the home. Men, you are the leader of the home. And you know what that means? It doesn't mean you get to boss everybody around, but it does mean that you have to do what is right. You have to make the sacrifices. You have to live out the gospel in front of your family. You have to be the one that gets up early and says, hey, we got to get up. We got to go to church. We're not going to miss today. You have to be the one that says, hey, it's time to read the Bible together. You have to be the one that say, hey, it's time to pray together as a family. You have to lead your family in Christ. That does not mean you have to be a great theologian or a preacher or even know a whole lot about the Bible, but it does mean that you will submit and do what's right before God in your heart. Amen. That you will follow God, that you will get up and go to church, that your wife's not begging you to come on, let's go to church today. No, it should be the other way around. You should be the first one up getting dressed saying, hey, we got to get ready. We're not going to be late for church today. We're going today. That is being a leader in Christ. And when you're doing that and your wife is saved, hey, she will follow you. Even if she doesn't do it at first, I promise you, you keep doing what's right day after day, week after week, year after year, and she will get on board with you because you are leading in the right way and that's what God wants from you and then that she will willfully willfully submit to your leadership and that that is true leadership that is when a person truly wants to submit and say you know what they're doing what's right and I'm going to follow them because it's right before the eyes of God and so like the Bible says there, nevertheless, either is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. But all things of God, catch that, but all things of God. A man was made by God. A woman was made by God. Amen. We're equal standing before God. Now we have different positions. We have different things to do. We have different priorities but we are equal before God. God created all of us. Look with me now in verse 13. Judge in yourself. Is it coming that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Now listen to verse 14. Listen to verse 14. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man 
have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. The Bible says that it's a flat-out shame for a man. Nature itself says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. But on the other end, it is true glory. It is a woman's glory. If she have long hair, it is glory to her. And that's one thing I can say about my own wife. I love her long hair. What a statement that it makes that, hey, that what a woman that is when I see her. And that's what the Bible says. It's a glory to her. Amen. But it's not if a man has long hair. It's a flat out shame unto him. And I'm here to tell today to tell you that these verses stand just as true today as they did back then. Verse 16, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be division among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, and they which are approved may be manifest among you. Paul knew there was problems in the church. Why? Let me tell I can tell you why. Let me tell you why there's problems in your church? Because it's full of people. You know why there's problems in the next church? Because it's full of people. You know why there's problems in the, the other church down the road? Because it's full of people. And people are full of problems. Before you think about even leaving your church, you make sure, you make sure that the only reason you're going to leave your church is because they are not doctrinally sound and they're not preaching the gospel. Don't you dare leave the church because you're upset with somebody or they painted the church the wrong color or the carpet's not right or you didn't like the flowers they put out. All that is pride swelling up inside of you because I'm not getting my way. Now, you don't ever leave a church unless God tells you to and he takes you somewhere else or they're not preaching Bible doctrine. They're getting away from the Bible. That is the only reason a person should leave the church. Roll up your feelings and get right with God next time you feel like, you know what? Because listen to me, the church down the road has got the same problems. You just don't know about them till you get there. And the church down the road from that one, it's got the same problems. You know why? Because it's full of people. You just don't know about the problems because you haven't been there. So every church has got problems, ladies and gentlemen. Just stay at the church where God has put you, plant your feet, and grow deep roots. Amen? Now the Bible is going to switch gears here in verse number 20. It's going to start talking about the Lord's Supper. One of the ordinances that God has given us to do in His church. If you know anything about the Bible, the Bible says that there are two ordinances in the church. The first one is the Lord's Supper, and the second one is baptism. Those are the two ordinances that God has given us to do. Verse number 20 says, When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat? And to drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Paul said they're coming together, and they had they had feasts back then, and then they were having the Lord's Supper afterwards. 
Well, they were, they were filling up on food, getting fat and sassy. Some of them were getting drunk, weren't acting right, weren't doing right. And Paul says, I praise you not. I don't like what you're doing. This is wrong. And verse 23 says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Verse 24, And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And that's the Lord's Supper. You have the bread, the unleavened bread, and the wine, which is a symbol of Jesus' blood. But I want you to notice the first part of that verse number 24. He says, and when he had given thanks. What was Jesus giving thanks for? You know that he was about to be betrayed? That he was about to die on a rugged cross? To be beaten to death? To have his beard plucked out, to have a, a crown of thorns laid upon his head, to have nails drove through his, through his feet and through his hands and be whipped unmercifully where you couldn't even recognize him. And here, before this happens, Jesus is giving thanks to God before he breaks the bread. What is he giving thanks for? You know what he's giving thanks for? That he was sent here as a man to die on a cross to save me and you from a place called hell. Yes, he was giving thanks for the food. Yes, he was giving thanks for the bread. But you think about that. He knew what was about to happen. He was about to die and be hung on an old rugged cross. But yet he stops here to tell his disciples that he's, I'm giving thanks for this bread. And he tells them, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And the, the reason that Paul is writing this to this church is because this is such a solemn, such a serious thing when you do this. This is not some flippant thing you do after you've eaten a big meal and had a few glasses of wine and you feel like doing it. No, this is something that is deadly serious before God. You are remembering. Listen, listen to what he says. This do in remembrance of me. You are remembering what Jesus has done for you. You are remembering that the sins that Jesus has forgiven you for. You are remembering what Jesus has saved you from, which is a place called hell, and that none of us are worth saving, but it's because he loved us so much that he laid down his life on that cross. That's how serious the taking the Lord's Supper is. He said, this do and remembrance of me. Verse number 25. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. This is the new cup. This is the New Testament. Amen. From now on, things are going to be different. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. And Jesus, the spotless, sinless, perfect Lamb of God, amen, His blood is pure. To be washed in the blood, there's power in the blood. That's what the Bible says. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And there is power, 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 wonder-working power. 
and Jesus' blood. Amen. He shed his blood for me and for you. And he said, this do in remembrance of me. You take that little cup of wine, little cup of grape juice, and you remember that Jesus shed his blood for you. What have you done to deserve it? What have you done to earn it? You're not good enough. You couldn't earn it if you wanted to. He, Jesus did it because he loves you. And he said, this do in remembrance of me. And I want you to know that when you break that bread and you partake of it, it does not become Jesus's body. It is a symbol. It is a symbol of his body. Listen to it. He broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. It's a symbol of his body, just like the wine or the grape juice is a symbol of his blood. That you do this, you remember what Jesus has done for you. And he said, this is the New Testament in his blood. Amen. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, listen to me, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. You can't be saved any other way except for the blood of Jesus. You're washed in the blood. And I'm here today to tell you, if you've never heard that before, if you've never heard a sermon on that before, you're probably thinking, wow, that's strange. But listen to me. Jesus wasn't just a man. Jesus was God in the flesh and he laid down his life for you so that you could be saved so that he could make a way to save you from the penalty of your own sin, which is a place called hell. And he sent his own son to die on that cross. Amen. So that you could be saved so that he would take your sins upon his self because somebody's going to pay for it. Somebody see God is perfect, right, and just, and holy, and sin must be paid for. So either you're going to pay for it in a, on yourself, you'll pay for it yourself in a place called hell, or you'll take the payment that Jesus paid with his own blood and apply it to your life. What does that look like, preacher? Well, the Bible says, believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You first believe it in your heart. That, that he died on the cross and he rose again the third day. Amen. You first believe it in your heart, but then you confess it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what are the two things you got to do to be saved? Realize you're a sinner. Repent of those sins. What does that mean? That means to turn from sin and be sorry for it. Amen. And to look toward Jesus and put your faith and trust in his finished work on the cross. Because he didn't just die on that cross. No, they, the man didn't take his life. Jesus said, no man take my life except I lay it down. Jesus laid his life down. See, with one word, he could have called legions, tens of millions of angels to lift him up off of there. But he didn't. He chose to lay it down for you. And he's telling his disciples here in the upper room that you do this to remember me, to remember what I've done for you, to remember that things are changing. It's the New Testament now. You see, that's what makes the New Testament and the Old Testament different. The New Testament, Jesus came and paid those sin debts for you. 
but it's not just automatic. It's got to be on a personal level. Jesus did come to save the world, but it's not just I'm saving the world. You have got to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You listen to me. When you die, you're not going to get into heaven because grandma was saved. You're not going to get into heaven because grandpa was a Christian preacher. You're not going to get into heaven because you had good godly parents. The only way you'll get into heaven is if you realize you are a sorry, rotten, no good sinner and you've repented of your sins, you've turned from it and you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's when you can look back at this and say, I realize and I remember what Jesus did for me. And that's what he's telling the disciples here. This do in remembrance of me. And we still do that to this day. Why? Because it's a church ordinance and Jesus commanded us to. And Paul goes on here in verse 26. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For if he eateth and drinketh unworthily, he eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Listen to me. You remember when I said it's very serious? God takes this very serious. You are supposed to be remembering what Jesus did for you. And the Bible says that a man, you need to examine yourself before you do this. And anything that's wrong in your life, you need to get it right. You need to confess it and get it right before your life. And if you've got it, here's a hard one, Christian. Here's a real hard one. If you've got something wrong with another person, you need to go make it right with them. And sometimes I think that's even harder. That's harder than getting it right with God because you've got to go to them and humble yourself in order to get it right. And I'm here to tell you that's something we fail as Christians at is getting that part right, going to another brother and sister apologizing or saying I'm sorry or this hurt, that was wrong. But we need to work at that so that we can be right with God because the Bible says for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep, many are dead in other words. That's what that means. But listen to what verse 31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, and we should not be condemned with the world. I can tell you today that if you will judge yourself, and if you will make the necessary corrections in your own life, it will be so much easier than if God has to humble you. Yes, let me say that again. It's so much easier on you if you will humble yourself than if God has to humble you. Listen to what that verse says. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. You know, if you love your child, you'll discipline them. If you love your child, when they do something wrong and they willfully know they did it wrong, you will discipline them and it's not because you want to it's because you love them and you want them to do right and listen to me god loves you if you're his child he loves you and he is not going to let you get away with sin for too long the bible says we are chastened of the lord do you want the lord to spank you then you better get it right yourself he says, wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. 
that ye may come together unto condemnation and the rest will I set in order when I get there. I like what Paul says. Get it right. And what you don't get right, what ain't right when I get there, I'll set it right when I get there. He's letting him know, hey, I'm not scared. I'm coming to let you know what's wrong. I asked you today, Christian, are you right with the Lord? Have you confessed your sins? Have you confessed it one to another? Have you made it right with your brethren or with your sisters? Hey, get it right. Don't make God get it right in your life. It's so much easier if you will get it right than if God were to chasten you. Amen. And if you're not saved, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.